Wow, what an entrance. John Orlando just walks in like he owns the place or something. Your guest has just arrived. My guest? Yes. Yeah, he's right here. Dr. Leslie seems to feel she's on today's episode. Oh, no. Oh, we can get her on. All right, George, cut it. No. She's going to sit down. <laughs> we can have Leslie on, too. Leslie, She's come on. sit down right All right. Welcome, welcome to... I didn't officially book you. You can sit right... You can sit right here now. No, this is this is on the show now. You have to come sit down. Please don't come. Please don't come. <laughs> this is the most chaotic start to a show I've ever had. I'm going to come. You want me to... No, you're fine. No, no, no. I've had two people... Please put no, the headphones on. <laughs> uh, headphones don't work over here. She's mic trained. She puts them on, but they're not. They don't go nowhere. You're in trouble. Wow. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Bizarre Junkies podcast. I'm your host, Austin Alvarez. This was the most chaotic start to an episode I've ever had, but it's fine. We roll with it. Uh, so I'm joined by two guests today. I'm joined uh, on my left by Mr. <laughs> Rob Lawrence. What's up? Host of Fight Junkies, another show that I produce here. That's me. Uh, wow, today's a... Wow, I'm just getting all the people I produce for. I have it's Sean Kelly on, I have you on, and then to my right, I have Dr. Leslie, who I also produce for on the Next Level Podcast. Howdy. How that are you? a surprise. Not really a surprise. No, I, I knew you were... I was like, we gotta have this tight, because she's in at 4.30, and then I totally spaced, but that's my fault. I have two guests today, so it's gonna be a ton of fun. So... Let's just jump right into it. Rob, right before we were, we were uh, about to go on, you were telling me about how at one point in your life you moved out of an apartment because you said you were 100% without a doubt it was haunted. We're going right in, huh? We're going right in. Yeah, so, all right. I, I've never really believed in all that stuff, right? You know, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm from Jersey, where weird New Jersey's a big thing out there. Real big. But my dad's a, a retired cop from Brooklyn. Like, I just... I, w- I never got raised in that like fantasy world of like ghosts and stuff. Plus, I'm a war vet. I've, I've been all around the world. Uh, I've trained with so many people, so many badasses and humble people that it's just like reality's been my world. Parenting, marriage, life. Uh, that stuff was never just on my radar. When you have kids, you know you can't be scared of the dark. You know you can't. You can't. Oh well. well all right, then. Be, I guess I, I guess I'm not allowed to be afraid of the dark anymore. But it was actually, just... that was the same with me. Like before I had kids, it was the same thing. I would get so freaked out. I'm like I can't do this. Like I would literally, because of my experiences, right? I would jump on my bed as an adult because I was afraid of the dark. Like it was ridiculous. I'm like, you ever do are like... you are you like you are a medical professional? You should know. Be afraid of the dark. Yeah. So that shit ended. So I totally get well, it. You can't. Yeah, it's be. weird. So we're all parents here. Is it safe to say like we'll throw hands in the dark now? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll throw hands in the dark. I don't. Yeah. Care. Mm-hmm. It could be mm-hmm. the the karate karate chop. Yeah. No, I'm coming in haymakers. <laughs> sl- I'm fighting like Justin Gaethje in there. Well, I gotta. I'm gonna call my wife out. I love you. You're beautiful. But we have a new place now in Centennial Hills. Right. Brand new building. Gorgeous. When I come home, she closes half of the house off because she's scared of the one side of the house. And Why the one side? I, it's like the baby's room that's still like getting put together because we just moved back from from the bay, and like so my wait, bathroom. where the baby room is is what freaks you out, and you're <laughs> yeah. gonna put your newborn. It's like if the baby's okay, they're not aware. Yeah. If they get fucked up by the ghost, that's okay. It's but- all good. It's all good. <laughs> I love the thought process. Yeah, she uh, <laughs> she's awesome. definitely scared of, of that side of the house especially 
She, well, she said she used to keep all the lights on in her house until she was like 14. Um, yeah. And she. this is the same girl that will throw down with six grown men in a parking lot. Uh, so I don't get it. it like That's you said, bizarre. You could be an adult and you're fine, but then... When you have kids, it kind of goes away a little in some instances. So I thought. So let me let me digress. I had an apartment in California. I got out of the military. I was a contractor. Then I was a DOD police officer. And got sick of the wearing a badge and all that. Um, just my whole life. My dad's a retired cop too. I was just like, let's go figure out who Bobby is. I'm gonna go tattoo my face to get funny looks. Let's that'll that work for John work Orlando. Out. Yeah, that'll work out for me. So I go to California. I go to cosmetology school, barber school, film school. And in that time, I had dated a girl whose mom was a property manager. And she got me an apartment. Now, I was in Benicia, California. It's 30 miles from San Francisco, but it's a very old town where the Navy used to be, like, very prominent there back in the day. Generals, colonels, everybody lived in this little town. And it's old. So the building that I moved in was, like, a little one-bedroom apartment on the water. But it was old as hell. And everyone said that this is a haunted town. One of There's a famous um, hotel there, or a bed and breakfast. And it's known to be haunted uh, by a woman who hung herself in the building. It used to be, like, they said the story is that she was a, it was a brothel back in the day. And a girl fell in love with, like, a, a general. And he was like, I promise I love you. I'm going to come back and get you. And he never did, and she hung herself in the building. So that whole town is just... I feel like that's old. like every ghost every ghost story is like, oh, she dated the guy, and then he went off to war, and he never came back, and then she hung herself. Well, I got this apartment, mm-hmm. and I was super stoked because I was in a fifth-wheel camper for a while, um, and, I, and I loved it, and it was like I set it up nice. You know, I'm from Jersey. We're pretty boys. We like everything perfect, um, but the, I, there was just, I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't. For some reason, it was so intense. I remember being in school one day and I started thinking, like, do I need to go to the VA and go to mental health? Like, right. I, am I, like, schizophrenic? I'm, and I was a federal officer, like, a, a leader. I was a squad leader. I've led soldiers in combat. Like, I shouldn't be thinking I'm sober going on five years this July. So it's not like I'm tripping out on drugs or anything. And I'm literally, like, almost hallucinating that there's, like, a demon or a dark something breathing over me when I sleep at night. Like, aggressively. So I had to, at 35 then, tell these wonderful people who helped me get into this place that I needed to move out, like, three weeks after I moved in there. And when I moved into another place, it it was just gone. What did the people tell you when you were like, I got to leave because your shit is haunted? The mom loved me. Um, They're great. Um, The dad kind of looked at me like... You know, what the, what the you ain't quite right, boy. I'm like, are you sure you did all that shit you said you did? You know, because <laughs> you're being a little punk right now. But yeah, I mean that that was my only time really as an adult. I remember being a kid and thinking I watched this episode um, where aliens can abduct you right in your house, but they make it so your family cannot wake up. So you could be screaming help. Like, literally, awake, cognitive, looking around your house, screaming to your parents or whatever, but they're, like, put asleep by, like, the extraterrestrials. Where did you watch this? I was, I was like, seven or eight. <laughs> it must have popped. My grandma watched a lot of TV and, like, slept with the TV. I was probably, like, not even supposed to watch this shit. And then my whole life, 
I was petrified that I'm going to get abducted and I'm not going to be able to yell dad because he's not going to hear me. It sounds like an Outer Limits episode. Do you remember that Outer Limits back in the day? I don't know if they still have it. I I don't know what that is. I'm aging myself. Oh my God, it's totally, we're aging ourselves for sure. You don't know Outer Limits? No. Oh, you're 25, yeah. Yeah. See, I grew up with, and I covered this on the last week's episode, I grew up with like the sci-fi channel. Like I watched all the like shitty B-movies on there. I grew up with Goosebumps. Okay, so I did, I did too. <laughs> yeah. I grew up with, I had goosebumps when I was growing up, but like, I, I wasn't supposed to be watching sci-fi, but like, it was like people who spent their entire movie budget on just awful special effects. <laughs> like, you're like, that does not look right, but I know where the budget went. But so that's where I got like my love for like all that. But like, it definitely like had some effects where I was like, uh, I'm not going to go to sleep tonight. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm a little too scared. I was, I was scared. I, I mean, I do at night terrors now. Um, Yours are a little different, though. Yours are from combat related. Yeah, as I say, that's not because you watch the Sci-Fi Channel at eight years old. And and I'm used to it. It's been 17 years that I've been home from the war, so I'm like, even now, like if I get like a PTSD thing, like I'm I'm just used to it. It's a part of my life. Um, You know, I had the VA. um, They asked me, "Do you ever have like thoughts of hurting yourself, things like that?" And my answer was. No, I said, but let me ask you this, Doc. I said, if you lost both your legs in a car wreck, tomorrow when you wake up and you look down and you have no legs, you're going to freak out. It's going to be like very emotional, end of the world. I said, but 15 or 17 years from now, you're going to wake up, you're going to realize you have no legs, and you're going to get dressed and go make your coffee. I said, that's my answer. So I'm used to certain things because that's just the way that my brain works now from what I went through. But... Yeah, I mean, night terrors are, are different. I have some sleep paralysis, but I don't see the demon, the night... What is it? The night hag? The, the, well, I mean, I've, there's like the, the shadow man, there's shadow people. Yeah. Now, that's got to be funny. Like like you said, what goes through your brain as like a doctor? Because mm-hmm. um, like, that's who we go to, right? 99% of the world goes to the doctor for the answer. So if you are the... The doc and you're in your house it's like why am i scared of under the bed it's got to be like what the fuck but that's why we have dr leslie here is because you were telling me last week how you were having these these things happening to you and you're in your head you're like wait a minute how do i like self-analyze yeah how do i how do i reconcile this with like logic of you know medicine and science and yeah mathematics yeah exactly i mean because when you're science trained so i'm i practice as a nurse practitioner for a gazillion years I have my doctor in nursing practice, very research focused. So in my master's and doctoral degrees, I um, did research on mental health. It's very, very fascinating to me. Different levels of consciousness, wakeful states, sleep states, like where does all of this happen? You know, there is this sort of beginning understanding where we're bridging the supernatural and all this crazy stuff that we experience with like the real physical world and, and whatever. We, we don't fully understand it. So I was not always, I was never really against it, but I couldn't really explain it. It did still kind of mess with me a little bit because I'm like, okay, I'm a scientist. Like things have to be material. I'm having these things. I know it's not my brain. Like I know that I'm, I'm solid. So whatever I'm experiencing has to be real on some level. What it is, I don't know. It did freak the shit out of me though. One of the experiences I've had, and I've had many, not beyond actually what I had told you too. When I was really reflecting on it, I was like, "Oh my god!" I've had many experiences that I feel were supernatural or ghostly or whatever you want to call it. 
and and UFO type things too, like that I tried to debunk and thought were like, no, it can't be, but things don't move like that. Like, how do you explain it? It just doesn't make any, didn't make any sense to me. Right. Now, were you having like, was it, I don't want to say like an identity crisis, but was it almost like a, is, is what I know correct? Like almost in a sense of like doubting all the information you had gathered yeah. over all the years? Yeah. I mean, in... In nursing, we're much more um, holistic. We understand more um, of the human and our experience in a, in a broader sense. It's not so compartmentalized. It's not like this is what it is and anything that doesn't fall into this, we disregard. It's kind of like, okay, this is someone's experience. We don't have all the answers. This is what they're experiencing. Okay, maybe there's an explanation. Maybe they are just a wackadoo, but you know, let's help them cope with it. Like that's our perspective in medicine and hardcore, like Western medicine, MD train is just like, nope, if it's not this, then you're, you know, sounds like the VA and Percocet. Then you're, yeah. Then you, <laughs> you need some Lexapro and some Xanax. Uh, I, Lexapro. I just got off Lexapro last year, but the VA, uh, not even the, just the military. I, when I came home from that deployment in 2008, I and where I, did you go again? I was in Tikrit, Iraq. Okay. In 07. Yeah. They put us all on medicine right away. Like they were like, "Oh, you have a combat action badge. You got blown up. You were in some firefights. Whatever the case is." And they're like, "They never said like, but are you okay? Like, what if I was dealing with it? Fine. They're just like, here's Zoloft. Here's hydroxyzine and Xanax and you know all. I mean, I gotta have a list of like thirteen things that I was on until 2019." I stopped all SSRIs. Cold turkey, probably not the best to do. Sorry. Yeah, Doug. I did that too, though. Yeah, it was it's bad. not advisable. Yeah. But here we both are. We're both <laughs> fine. Yeah. I, I felt like, honestly, like sick, like almost uh, seizure-ish kind of. For sure. When you yeah. got off of it? Yeah, I see. I cold didn't, turkey. I it's decade. very dangerous, yeah, to just stop, stop. them, particularly, you know, if, if you've been on them for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah, I yeah. black box war- warning not to do it. <laughs> I dropped mine, but I was on a high reason. dosage, though. I was at 20 milligrams a day on Lexapro. And then when I started working here, I just stopped. It wasn't because, like, I felt like I could. I legit just got too busy and just didn't even think about it. And I was yeah. like, that's I haven't taken my medicine in, like, a week. Well, that's good. You, that just means that you found a purpose. And you fulfilled right. that yeah. and other stuff. Right, yeah. And my therapist at the time, because I couldn't afford my therapist anymore because it was through my insurance, uh, which I didn't have when I got let go from my job. But she was telling me, she was like, you know, I, I think you'll find better results when you change jobs and you have a better work environment. And that's literally been the case where I don't have a looming fear of getting fired every five minutes here. Well, we're speaking about medicine and general medicine and Western medicine, and then a little bit of like the spiritual side. Uh, I'd like to ask you how you feel about like microdosing and mushrooms and that type of stuff. Yeah, that's a really great question. I've looked at the literature, not super recently, but it's, Okay, so there's research that supports that it can be very helpful. The problem is it can be very dangerous. People tend to overdose. overdose. Yeah. They don't microdose. They're they're abusing it. They're using it for other reasons. It's just like anything, right? There's potential for for greatness if it's used appropriately, but do the masses generally use it that way? No, generally not. So for me personally, and for, you know, for people who have any type of, um, like, I've never done a drug in my life. That's just personal choice, because I, you know, was always terrified of losing control, just, you know, because I'm a little bit of a control freak. (laughs) But um, 
you know, I've seen people in my practice before where I would recommend the marijuana cards and all of that sort of thing for gotcha. medicinal purposes. Microdosing is a little bit different. Um, it really is individual, how the brain responds and the personality, if they're addictive and what their end goal is. Like it's a, it's not even so much of whether it's good or not or right or effective. It's really about the context of the individual and whether or not they're someone who's going to benefit in all of those areas and not become a risk or it's going to be detrimental. Yeah. So it's not like a, it's not an easy answer. It's like no, a per basis kind of thing. It's like a, how do you, yeah, how would like, you respond to it? Yeah. Like I've had people who would use like all these crazy weird substances to go through like their spiritual enlightenment or, you know, they want to go through a trauma and it worked for them. Would I recommend that? Would I do that? No, I have my other modalities that, that are effective for me. So everyone has a different sort of way that they want to go about doing it and whatever their goal is. Um, I don't think it's for everybody. Maybe it would be ideal for certain people, but. Yeah, I've done a, a lot of research recently because I don't want to be on an SSRI, but I could tell yeah. I still have some. Some triggers and some uh, anger and, and certain things that I've certainly like honed down over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've done uh, some microdosing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few Navy SEALs that run a program for disabled vets in Coronado, I believe. And they'll, but they're doing like you said, they're doing like a real high dose, and you're like meeting your that's maker. Not, that's not meeting micro. Your, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's just dosing. Yeah. It's just, and then, it's just doing the drug. It's just called <laughs> I can't narcotics. <laughs> Exactly. So you... I, wait, I wanted to ask you, so what's, what was your experience with it when you were dabbling in the microdosing, if you don't mind? Okay, so I... Welcome to Microdose Junkies, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Austin. No, it's fine. I it's totally worry. fine. It's, it is bizarre. It's people stuff I want to know about. Yeah, so it, it was a little bit of like an emotional roller coaster for me because I had been sober for so long. Now, when I say sober for me, my drug of choice was opiates, painkillers, mm -hmm. you know, heroin without needle um, for a couple of weeks because I, my doctor, the VA, they stopped giving me my prescription and I was addicted. Um, so I've never, I, I'll still have like one, two beers a month. So I, I don't go to the meetings. It's just not for me. I'm not an addict. I don't identify as one. I just had a lot of trauma. And until I dealt with it, I was going to use because I needed to numb it. So once I addressed it, yeah. Let, let my ego go. You know, I had an ego death, I'd say, at like 35. Um, life has been tremendously better. Um, but I still knew there were some avenues that I could certainly do better in uh, with relationships, friendships, parenthood, being a husband, my reactions to things. Because with my PTSD, it's zero to 100. Like if my baby's choking, my wife would be like, oh, she's fine. And to me, it's like she's dying. Every, everything is death, but I've learned to like tone it down. So when we were in the Bay Area, it's the Bay, you know, it's like legal out there. You can buy it kind of like a, a liquor store. And I tried it and it was the first time in a long time that like that hypervigilance was off my shoulders. Um, I remember being in San Francisco and this is the first time ever in my life. Excuse me. I was like sitting in my car and I saw wind. I actively watched the wind blow the leaves in a tree. And I was like, man, that's so beautiful. And then I just started laughing. 
And I was like, it's got to be the mushrooms. It's got to be. But I felt happy and content. I never felt anything physically. But uh, my wife told me as soon as like last week, like you need to microdose again. You're kind of <laughs> falling off, buddy. So, so I'm getting tired of you. Yeah. Do it so again. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, like it, it did great. Um, and I've been through divorces. I've been through a lot of crazy, crazy stuff from being a cop to being locked up to facing charges to dismissals to like fight custody battles, war, a lot of friends taking their life. Um, thank God I've never been, you know, with everything I've been through, I've just, it's just never been an option for me. My dad being 9-11, losing all those guys when I was 15. Um, yeah, microdosing, I, I don't know, it was pretty cool. But I do think if you take enough, you will watch nothing but bizarre junkies because you, <laughs> you'll be looking for the guy uh, who's flying. So when do we get sky. a George? When do we get a microdosing sponsor? Bro, I, was, <laughs> I can be it. I can be it. Bro. <laughs> I know the people. All right. So uh, we were. So all this is a lot of like like mental health type stuff. So I have a question for you, Doctor Leslie, about. Uh, we the, our most recent uh, deep dive video we've done here was on exorcisms. Now I am under yes under all the research that I have done. It always seems like it's mental illness. So like the most popular one uh, was uh, Annalise McKell. She was the inspiration for the exorcism of Emily Rose film. She had a uh, uh, temporal lobe epilepsy, but they were like, nah, it's a demon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're <laughs> not your specialty isn't isn't you know going around seeing all these people with epilepsy but how if you like just based on like a medical professional standpoint how often do you think these people are dealing with mental illness and just kind of push it aside and go no it's something divine or yeah no that's a great question so you know even though i've had my ghostly experiences and all the bizarre stuff that i know were real experiences to me however you can quantify real i think when you get to the exorcism like Again, I don't know all the research you probably know, but when exorcism started, it was way before. I mean, it predates well, I mean, everything. Medicine you know? then was like, uh, oh, you have the the plague. Let me cut your boil open right. and let it fester. <laughs> and we need to draw blood to let the bad blood out. And right before we had like sterility or electricity, like this dates way back when. I mean, mental illness has been around forever. We probably just, as long as we've had a you know a mental state. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if if two, like a brother and sister reproduce, they will create a child that is not, you know. Yeah, 100%. Alabama. Not, right. <laughs> yeah, but okay. George, this was in Europe, okay? This is mostly know, in Europe. So we know that reproducing, inbreeding, all that kind of stuff can create anomalies genetically in people. And so, you know, that has been going on for a long, long time. We know that and mental illness, whether it's an offshoot of that or is a separate thing, it's the same type of concept. Like it's been around. We just know it's been around for forever. Um, so I would totally explain an exorcism or someone who is possessed or whatever as being a mental illness, for sure. And, you know, people go through... I worked in psych for about a year. Um, and I, you know, was prescribing and saw all sorts of wild experiences. Like, people were sitting across from me. People who were in jail, like, handcuffs, murdered people. All, like, every, you know, walk of life experience. And they, you know, the guy would be sitting there. I'd be in my room by myself. 
with the door cracked open at the very end of the hall room, all, uh, the hallway in this room, like by myself with someone like Jane and, um, and he's like seeing the blood drip down the wall behind me. And he's saying, there's a ghost behind you whispering to you and all this stuff and literally having a psychotic episode in front of me. And I'm, it's the most fascinating thing in the entire world. Super bizarre to experience someone lose their faculties completely, but then in the next second, they're back. All of a sudden, yeah. be right there. Especially someone who has multiple personality disorders. You have one person talking, you know, to them, and then all of a sudden, they're like flipping to someone else. You're like, holy uh, Jesus! Like this is wild. So I would definitely on the possession side, um, you know. Definitely would attribute that to mental illness. For sure. Okay, so I, I said this on a previous episode. Uh, there was a show I watched a ton growing up. It was called Ghost Hunters. And there was these people in like the Midwest and they would go and hunt yeah. ghosts. And I, I made the joke that like nine times out of ten, they'd be like, yes, yeah, so we went down into your basement. You don't have ghosts. You just have black mold in your... <laughs> and like that was always it. it was like you just have mold. You, your house is in disrepair. You have like... It's causing you to see things because you're not... Like you're sick. Sure. Like is is that that common with stuff like obviously mold's bad for you, but I didn't know it was like it would cause like black mold. Okay, so this is another. It's been very controversial. I worked in allergy and immunology for when I first started as an NP thousands of years ago, and black mold was kind of like when someone came in with black mold exposure. At least the doc that I had worked with was kind of like the eye roll. Oh, thing. another one. You know, do the testing, can't find. It. In more recent years, from my understanding, there is much more substantiated. There's, you know, there's a little bit more credibility. There are, you know, claims that are being closed on people who have this black mold and can substantiate um, illness from it. So, I mean, black mold or other toxins, absolutely, we know that they can cause psychotic episodes and hallucinations. I mean, God, if you like, okay, this is kind of weird, this is bizarre. Okay, well, so then you don't have to warn us. Just just say it. <laughs> so to the to the point of this, when I so I I grew up in Canada in a very small town called Peace River. Okay, and I thought Lysol was an alcoholic beverage until I was about 12, 11 years old, because there were you know indigenous people there that would drink Lysol. They would get high, really fucked up, and unfortunately rest their souls they would we would find them by the water dead or they would be wandering around hallucinating high from all of these chemicals you could buy so literally it was so weird i came to the microdose it i came to the big city and i was like you know talking with friends about lysol whatever and making a joke yeah about having a drink when i was like 11 or whatever and they're like um that's you don't drink that (laughs) i'm like uh okay well not here i guess maybe you guys just aren't hardcore enough (laughs) so black mold toxins whatever like it it can yeah yeah (laughs) that's like i knew i had a friend in in middle school okay my parents and my brothers would talk code about this stuff and all i thought was lysol alcoholic beverage people getting fucked up dying okay you drink it and thank god you were not tide pods weren't a thing when you were a kid (laughs) oh Oh my my god God. okay so we've been we've been hinting at your paranormal uh encounters but now that you're saying you have other ones that like you didn't even tell me about on friday those ones are already pretty crazy so if you would like to like to indulge us in any of those 
Yeah, I'll I would tell say you, you have on the floor. Friday and then, um, yeah, there's some other ones. When I went to Europe, Ireland, ooh, it is super. I've, I've had some weird things in Europe too. I was in Germany six years, and like you go to the ruins and where they have like skull walls, little like a tunnel of like oh the tombs, like it's, yeah, yeah, the catacombs like in Paris. Yeah, you can get lost. Sorry, but yeah, yeah, Europe's no, there is we. So I stayed in this little um, hotel in I think it was County Cork in Cork which apparently was a very big hub for a lot of the military or whatever. And so the, this hotel used to be um, like barracks for the army or something like that. Okay. And then it ended up being a hospital turned, I don't know, something else, old folks home, and then eventually a hotel. So I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like there's going to be something happening. Because I've had, had, had experiences with the paranormal before that. Oh, yeah, I mean – I w- could not sleep, firstly, because I kept hearing wheels in the hallway, like the gurneys or whatever, like oh, the squeaking. Shit. I would fall asleep and I hear the... And, I, and so our room, the room I had was huge. So at least today's standards, you would have four beds in there. So I'm sure they had like 15 beds oh <laughs> lined up yeah, in that place. Army standards, there's 30 dudes in there. So and then so I would hear like the wheels squeaking and then I'd hear like people chit chattering like as if they were right there in the room. So of course I slept with the lights on just because I didn't want to be in the situation where I wake up in the middle of the night and I look up and I see something, I would lose my shit and I would run out of there. Like yeah. even though I may not be hurt by it, it's just hearing that stuff was and I wasn't and I'm I'm try to be very analytical with myself about these things. Like, okay, I don't wanna put impression in my head and expect something and then my brain will create it right because i i do the same i yeah, tell I, myself you know, yeah I, if I, I think about it enough it's gonna yeah me. yeah so i'm like okay so all this stuff happened not a big deal my room is probably gonna be fine other people may experience it i'm not open to it like it maybe it's a vibration thing or a kooky thing or whatever it's like i'm not gonna go there didn't fucking matter I heard that shit, oh. and I was like, like, and because I've worked in the hospital, I recognize that sound, and I would just like sit up jolted. And I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah, this you know is that for sound. Real, it was for real, and so that was one kind of creepy experience. But the ones I was telling you about before, back in Canada in Edmonton, there's this this um, it's called White Avenue. It's very very old, very very old. So all the buildings were ridiculously old, and it was. Uh, it was a nightclub. We owned a nightclub, me and my ex-husband. And um, I was sitting down. We were just kind of getting ready to, to open in a couple of weeks, and we were testing out the lights. It was just the bartender girl and I, and my ex was kind of up somewhere else. And we were chit-chatting, and the lights, you know, the strobes, they kind of move and stop and move and stop and move. And so I was sitting there chatting with her, and then all of a sudden the light moves, and I see the casting of this the shadow of a guy with, like, a hat – and like almost like a cloak, huge, being cast on the floor. And I just got shivers down my whole spine. And then just as I was like about to come to my senses and turn around, the lights move and then it's gone and I look behind me. And the girl's looking at me and she didn't register. And I just was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, what was that? It was clear as day. Like there was someone and it was so eerie. And I had talked to my ex after and he's like, well, yeah, that's why we have our logo of the shadow man. He's like, I didn't want to tell you, but because he's 
apparently been haunting this place. They oh, had shit. carriages that came through. Like it was used back in the day before, again, they had horse and carriage and they had like, it was an um, iron mill or something. Like it was two levels and they had all these trap doors and things. People were getting like clobbered and beheaded and like just from the machinery in that place. And so this guy supposedly in history was the guy who owned the place and he was ruthless and didn't care and, you know, people were getting killed all the time. So, and then I was working upstairs. Again, we didn't have full staff at the very beginning, so I bartended a little. And the wall behind me kind of was built into the wall like a ledge where we put all the hard liquor. And um, I was cleaning up at the end of the night and getting rid of the ice or whatever. And two of the alcohol bottles, like, I heard the clink. And I looked behind me, and the liquid in it was moving. And I'm like, just those two. And I'm like, there's there's no way. Like, nothing could shake this wall. And why only those two? I was like, okay, that's a little bit weird. And then, um, I don't know if it was the same day or another day, the pool, we had pool tables, the pool, all of a sudden cubes, I heard, and they were bouncing. So, the, and I looked over and one was rolling and, and creeped me out. And then another time, same area, um, there was like a coat rack, a coat area in the very back, right? You know, the little door and the person's supposed to stay there and it yeah. goes up to the, the rooftop. Um, I was clearing out at the end of the night and, and I kind of thought I heard someone shuffling back there, like a real person. I go over and like, we're closing up. You got to get out of there. I thought maybe people were making out back there or trying to hide or yeah. whatever they wanted to do. And I go over, I walk close enough and I see like these eyes and like the shadow and the darkness. And then all of a sudden it just into the, and I'm like, that's it. I'm out. I'm out. I Peace sold out. It. I can't. <laughs> no. We're selling this place tomorrow. No, no for sure. We did. <laughs> 20 bucks totally. highest bidder. What, what no. scares me the most <laughs> The scariest part of all of that is that you saw that shadow of that image. Yeah. And then he solidified that yeah. you definitely saw that. He's like, yeah. it's not like he told you the, about the story and then you saw it. No, he's like, oh, I, I didn't get a chance to tell you yet. Yeah. Sorry that we're haunted. Yeah. He's like, that's why the logo is there. And I'm like, oh my God. Like you. So I, you saw yeah. him, yeah. So I knew that I wasn't being programmed. It was completely yes. like I had an experience. There was no prior knowledge. Um, like it, it was wild. I did not understand. You just touched on something. So with prior knowledge, I feel like it's a huge thing now with paranormal being so popular. Everyone's like, I have a ghost story. Like, is that like, I don't want to say it, maybe it's the right, wrong term, but like confirmation bias. Like it's almost like a, you get in a think tank yep. and you're like, I want to have an experience. Yes. I, yeah, absolutely. And for me, because I'm so researched and I, I try to like always play devil's advocate. I'm like, okay, is this real, real? Like people can have their experiences. Like they, there's so many people that like, they have a, an idea of what their life is like and they're like, play the victim. And it's like, Okay, that's how you perceive your life. So perception is everything, right? But yes, yeah, some people can go into, can be actively changing their perception just by knowing. And that's why in research we have double blind studies because we don't want the researcher to know which person's getting the drug or not or the people to know whether they're getting the drug or not because we don't want our knowing of who's getting what to even change or influence our perception of the data they did that with a, like a college at, uh, years ago it's, it's probably 20 years ago they've probably done it more but they gave 
two groups of college students a keg, and one of them was like non-alcoholic, and one was, and the ones with the non-alcoholic acted more drunk than because our brain, yeah, it's perception, it's yeah. it's influence. So yeah, I mean with. So much out there about ghosts and ghost stories or whatever. I mean, people, oh, yeah, I have one, but really it wasn't. It was the mold or it was. <laughs> yes, um, the black mold. You like when we are falling asleep at night, too, as um, you've had your night tears, your experiences, like we go through different levels of consciousness. And we actually, in the, the, one-on-ones that I do with with people, you can actually tap into different levels of consciousness as you um, to for different purposes, for creativity, for inspiration, for you know um, getting clear on some sort of plan or path or strategy you wanted to to do. You can get all these like bits of information, um, epiphanies people have, visually, words, whatever you want to call it. So you know, as we fall asleep, we can access different um, levels of that consciousness and whatever is locked there. If there was a trauma or whatever, that stuff can come to light too. So people don't understand that piece too. So it's like I said, it's very fascinating because how much is real experience of supernatural, how much is our perception, these altered states of consciousness. But I I definitely... Um, know that people get influenced just by right addiction. You know, what other people say. Look at the. I've interviewed hundreds of homeless people, um, and I've seen many that were not interviewable. You know, mm. and they, I mean they're just gone completely. They're they're talking to themselves or seeing things. Like you said, back in the day, they would have been like thinking they're oh you're crazy or something, but. It, it was just influenced by active addiction and drugs and their, the chemicals in their brain. Um, I have a story for both of you that I think would be cool, kind of along these lines. When I got to Germany, um, uh, the, I was a private. And there was a, an old army base that was shut down. But there was, there was still, like, equipment there, like trucks and stuff. So as military police, we had to go to this this town and this base, and we would have to, like— do a shift there. So they would send two soldiers out and it was a place called Dexheim and Dexheim in the middle of this little city. I mean, it's like in the middle of the vineyards right on the Rhine river. It's gorgeous. That's why I kept reenlisting to stay in Germany. Um, there was a thing called witch's tower and you can look this up. Witch's tower was just that it was a tower made out of brick stone in the middle of this little city of Dexheim. And, and they made that. The story is that if you, if, if people thought you were a witch, they would throw you off of it. And if you didn't fly, um, I guess you're not a witch. Yeah. So yeah, if you put yeah, witch is like tower. all the the witch trials. Yeah, witch's tower. Oh, they put a top on it. It's like you're gonna die either way. Yeah. Well, Whether I, you're if you're a witch, you're gonna they're gonna burn you. If you're not a witch, you're gonna die from the fall. Oh, she was innocent, but too bad she died. Yeah. I also yes. found out. Like, uh, damn. Doing research on the the witch trials that like you're going through right. it like. A couple hundred years before we did, and they were like, you guys are still on that? That was so, like, last yep. century. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? We already figured it out. Right. So yeah, you exactly. you had to patrol that, or? No. The, our sergeants and squad leaders would, like, make us walk up at, at night alone to, as, like, a hazing. I thought it was pretty oh cool. Um, but, yeah, they'd throw you off that thing, and if you flew, you were a witch. George, would you fly? I don't think anyone flew. 
<laughs> they I, don't, all just I don't died. think anyone in the history of any witch hunt ever unless you ask them <laughs> because oh, yeah. then they were influenced unless you ask like somebody who's like oh we sure. caught a witch in salem and we got them mm-hmm. just to oh we're it's working the church please fund the church right right yeah now exactly. you got this ouija board here yes i i don't know my my daughter's three months right and i have other children that are older but i don't remember it's been a while since i had a newborn i don't remember them literally like staring above me at things like my daughter has great eye contact but i mean like like I'm looking at both of you, you guys right now. Like especially some, to you like this, and I get so freaked out that I tell myself, "Oh, it's my grandma, and she's just her guardian angel." I have to like tell myself that because I swear, my daughter. I mean, she stared at Vanessa and, and had conversations at John's house together for thirty minutes. She is not like a regular three month old. She will lock eyes, mm-hmm. and it happens all the time. It freaks both of us out. That happened that actually, yeah, it actually happened with my son too when he was around three months old because they can see yeah. about a foot or so in front of them. I was holding him. We actually have a photo of this. It's the craziest thing. He was looking over my shoulder, like up, up, you know, just up and elevated. And he's going like this and his eyes are like bright and his mouth is opening and he starts giggling. And I'm like, what? What are you looking at? Something. Like, oh my God! It was wild. There was nothing in the air. We were at home. Like, yeah. You know, it's I just amazing. remembered. Kids are seeing stuff, and so do dogs. Yes. I have a, I have a black lab, who. At that apartment I spoke about earlier, I specifically I think this is what made me finally like pull the plug and say like I'm out. I mean, two weeks with all the lights on, front door like wide open with just the screen. And I used to tell myself, like, what are they going to do? Like, this can't, I was, I, everything I could tell myself, I tried to. Mm-hmm. But I remember my dog winced one night and, like, hit the ground and then ran and stayed in the corner shaking. Wow. And I think that I, it's, yeah, I think that's what really, and Jack's never done that, you know? Right. He's, oh, my God. That actually reminds me of a story I had with my son. Um, again, my son. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but, no. That was his, um, my, so when my son was, gosh, he, he would have been four, five years old. He started talking about, um, how he was a pilot. He named his name. Um, I can't remember. It was Mark, uh, something rather. He died in a plane crash. Um, he described it very vividly what aircraft he was in and he's like, yeah, I would fly around and yeah, my name was Mark, blah, 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 whatever. And he, this went on for about three or four months. Not like he wasn't role playing or he didn't have a fixation on airplanes. He liked trucks. There was nothing that he was reading. Like I read him story, like he never watched TV. I was very, very strict. There was no way that this boy could think that he was this name that neither me or my my husband or his nanny had any idea of. And he would literally just talk in random, like all of a sudden, yep, you know, oh, I, I would fly really, really high. And there were other planes that I would fly with. And it was really, I really liked doing it. And then he, again, he would name, and I would ask him, I would sit down, like, what, what's your name? Well, right now my name is Pierce. Well, what do you mean right now? Well, I was Mark, blah, blah, blah. Wow. It was 
like, and I've heard of stories like this where kids at a certain period of time, you know, again, this is getting into spirituality and past lives and these regressions, like kids in the first five years of their life are very, their brains are developing. They supposedly, again, if you're spiritual, they can connect with different parts of their vibration or energy or whatever, should that be something that you know, you believe in, we hold in. Um, but it was a real life phenomenon that we experienced. And then all of a sudden it just went away. There was no issue. There was no trying. You didn't make a big deal. It would just come periodically. And then it was That's... gone as quickly as it arrived. And it was just this bizarre experience. And we're like, okay, there's no way you can explain that. Like no there's, way. there was no explanation. And me being a researcher, let me tell you, I tried you to fucking get to the hole. bottom. I went down it. <laughs> Did you it. have was... our Googler over here, George? George <laughs> might be able to find this guy. Yeah. yeah I, no. I Mark have to look at the videos and, and, or ask my ex what his name was. But That's we scary. we searched. We were trying to search everywhere. We couldn't find this person. He wasn't like a, you know, people are like, oh, he was some celebrity. No, he it Just wasn't a, a celebrity guy. name. We couldn't find this pilot. We tried to figure, like, where did you live? Were you in the U.S.? He couldn't. There was nothing like that. Like... It was just so we were searching everywhere. Couldn't now, wouldn't it have been it. crazy? He's like, actually, I got to get this message to my old family, right? So we got to fly to Paris. Well, so we were kind <laughs> of encouraging. It's just you know, like I didn't want to ask him. I didn't want to influence him again. Right, I'm a right. researcher, so I would ask questions as generally as possible, or I'd say, share with me about your experience. Share with me, like, tell me more. So I wasn't putting anything in his head, and but nothing really more came out of just these random stories about flying and who he was. And, and I was, I, wow. I know I was like, who, who are you? Where did you live? I want to reach out to your family or whatever to try and put the puzzle pieces, but nothing came of it. But <laughs> you could have been like uh, surrender. Okay. We're not French. Okay. Uh, Jerry, I just you didn't like that term. Okay. So we're German, right? Start speaking to yeah, him in different out. languages and see what would happen. <laughs> Hello, good morning. We got to it. Yeah, just start, just right. start rambling off in like, like Japanese, and he just like starts well, his, marching. Well, but his name was very American, so, right, or right. English, or something like that. So um, that's so that's it, crazy because like, it really was so bizarre. Like through for three months, then just gone, and we're like, what the fuck? Was, was it more <laughs> more intriguing or scary? Or no, like, it was so intriguing because it was not like you know. It wasn't dark. You know, kids, no, not at all. Yeah. He was, my son was a very, he's a very happy kid. It was not dark at all. It wasn't like he, he plane crashed and died. I have to avenge my death. Well, maybe yeah. he wasn't dark, but maybe that guy. <laughs> right. Dark. What if he, yeah. what if he like crashed yeah. in, what if he was with Amelia Earhart and he knows where she actually ended up? I know. Well, right. Exactly. But as I guess parent, though, to that's got to be like wor worrisome, right? And it, it, it kind of. Worrisome? Like, like, well, so I knew enough spiritually. Well, so I, I knew enough to about my, you know, weird ghostly experiences and mental health and normal child development. Thank God, where I was able to compartmentalize and look at him objectively, gotcha. not just like as my son and terrified or not. But he would he wasn't showing any red flags of any mental illness. He wasn't showing any weird demonic or scary things like he wasn't talking to people or it was just these random stories that came out of nowhere that seemed real to him but then they would be gone they, they were totally non-disruptive so i'm like if they're non-disruptive i shouldn't have to worry and we'll yeah. just play it along and they didn't get worse 
they just kind of, like I said, fizzled in and out. So it was absolutely fascinating to me. But again, there weren't any red flags medically or I didn't think spiritually. Um, I didn't consult a psychic or I didn't consult a medical professional. I, it wasn't like to that limit. You should have gotten them both in the same room and been like, y'all got to fight it out here. <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe. But um, maybe I should have. And then maybe we could have got the answers to where Amelia Earhart is. But we didn't. So we just let it uh, we're, we're, we're slightly running out of time here. But I have one last question for you, Dr. Leslie. So we've heard plenty of times about how you've had unexplainable circumstances happen, unexplainable events happen to you. But then we also know that you're very research-based. You are a medical professional. So you obviously are very well-versed in doing research, explaining how things occur, or at least trying to find the most possible answer. So where do you lie with everything that's happened to you? Are you kind of like in this gray area that it's just kind of like it's happened? Or do you think you have like an explanation for it? I think that we don't know enough about what is out there, what, you know, the supernatural world. And I don't even really consider it necessarily supernatural because my perspective is very not medical. I, I, I keep up to date with a lot of the metaphysical and physics research. And there are many, many, many physicists that are understanding more about consciousness and energy and our ability to connect with things like telepathy has actually been scientifically proven that you think something I can think it like it's actually scientific now so it's and it seems very weird for people to to think about so I know enough that there are things that we experience that are beyond our tangible ability to explain it um, that might be again I wouldn't necessarily call it ghostly, although it could be. There is definitely research that is bridging that gap that could explain these phenomena. Do I think that the majority of what people experience is something like that? I question it um, just because of influence and some of those things that we talked about. But I, I definitely know from my experiences and me being super, super objective and trying to look at things scientifically – there are things I can't explain that I know were were real that, you know, it's it's left it's left to be explained to me. So before we sign off, Bobby, where are you on everything? With everything that's happened to you and you have seen real life things, you know, the best of people and the absolute worst of people. Like where what is your where do you lie on all this? I yeah. I've been in multiple countries in some of the worst situations. I mean, for 10 years, the guy you guys are sitting with, this took a lot of work to get here. Um, I think we're all just products of our environment, to be honest, um, and what we consume. And that's why we want to keep our children away from the TV and, and all these things. But I do, on the other hand, uh, I grew up pretty strict Catholic in Jersey. And my grandma, my whole family's from Brooklyn, very very strict going to church. And um, even now, my wife is a twin. Her sister didn't make it. Um, she passed at birth. And my wife has multiple like times that, you know, she can feel her sister. Uh, my daughter now was a twin. Uh, and early on, it, the, you know, embryo or whatever word you would say just didn't, didn't um, mature. 
But I mean, like that doesn't happen. Usually a mom being a twin, having a twin. Um, and then my wife having to grow up dealing with that, you know, dealing with that. Like, what if I had my sister and she was like an only child kind of. And then like, we're not even going to tell my daughter. But we all like, again, if she knew all these things, she would think about it and, and it would be on your mind and it would bother you. If, if you if somebody in, in your, your grandma told you about demons your whole life, you're going to think about demons. My, per, in my I do believe in a lot of that stuff that it. Even if I don't see it, I can. I feel things. I'm a feeler. Um, I know that Audrey feels a lot of stuff. She's very like spiritually connected with a lot of things. You know, she's not out there singing kumbaya and like you know running around like a hippie or nothing. But um, yeah, I think we're products of our environment. All of us. It would be very interesting if you don't tell your daughter about her twin if she ever brings up to you, "Hey, I feel some." I would be so fascinated if that should ever happen. We, 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 and and granted, my my wife went through that, so that's all on her. I'm certainly not going to bring it up to my daughter. Um, I don't mean, mean to no, make you a test subject, no. but that's like objectively <laughs> how I. Show, I, I get this I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you I'm, gonna, know? I'm gonna I'm gonna literally on the way home. I'm gonna. Be I like, mean, because hey. that is as objective as non-influential. Like you keep that silent, and then all yeah. of a sudden one day she's like, "Hey, I'm feeling like this." I mean, wow, that would be mind blowing. That that would give you so much. That's why we had this episode right exactly. now for that what a right crazy there. episode like i can't we went all over the place we went all over the place i just want to say thank you that's to right. both of you so bobby before we sign off where can people find you um that's classified <laughs> <laughs> all these fake valor stolen valor guys running around saying they're seals that's why that's on my mind um i am the host of fight junkies so you can find us uh on instagram at fight junkies uh george you know all the platforms are on. Yeah, you're yeah. The, you're the guy. Dude, Fight Junkies is the hottest MMA fight commentary on the planet right now. I'm, I'm willing to say that. We're I'm hotter than that Venus. Too. George and I co-produce this show. I'm willing to die on that hill with George. And uh, just why not come and check us out every Monday and Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah. Dr. Sorry. Leslie, where can they find you? Yeah, I have a podcast as well. Next Level Podcast with Dr. Leslie. Um, you can also check out my website and all the other cool things I do on lesliekalen.com. Um, and if you need a little bit of face rejuvenation, you can check me out at my MD Spa LV too. I'm definitely going to connect. You I didn't with know my if wife. you winked. I don't know if it. Wor- <laughs> oh, you can wink. Okay, because I, I know can you're wink. like I can't frown right now. But no, I can. My Botox is wearing off. I can frown. A oh, oh no! Wait, why are you promoting it? Then we go get it done. <laughs> all right, everybody. I appreciate you listening to this episode. We're on Facebook. And we are, I guess we're on Facebook. I always just say that out of habit. We are on Facebook. <laughs> what the fuck? I always just say that out of habit. In three weeks, we're on we're on Rumble. We're, we're going to be on Rumble. And, and before too long, we're only on Telegram, people. They don't want us on the air. We're only going to be on Telegram. But we're on Instagram, TikTok. You can find us, Bizarre Junkies. We have merch available. Link down below. And until next time, everybody, stay bizarre. Thank <laughs> you.